Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Chris Kazama is all about wrestling because Chris is part of Fight Club Pro Wrestling. He's a co-promoter and they have a pay-per-view. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, tonight, Friday, October 23rd on IWTV. There's a link to that pay-per-view in this podcast description. Uh, yeah. You should support indie wrestling because it's very, very fun and a lot more exciting than the stuff you're going to find on Fox, which is SmackDown, because they have a Thunderdome. Why do they have a Thunderdome? Because we're living through a global pandemic, and that is why, for the first time in our 12-year history, we now have a Patreon. Please consider donating at youmethemeverybody.com. It's also on the About page. Uh, we've been doing this show for 12 years. Like I said, this is our episode 704, 705, something like that. And a few hundred of those episodes, similar to indie wrestling, used to be in bars and theaters and rooms with bars in them. And that's how we used to make money and pay bills. And we are not able to do that because, once again, global pandemic. So if you ever came to any of those shows and offered to buy us drinks, please consider donating once again, at youmethemeverybody.com on our about page or this podcast description. I enjoyed talking to Chris. Hopefully, he'll come back on the show when we do a Bears pod. Uh, support that show. It's it's Summer Jam. I realize it's October. It's very warm outside. There's other reasons it's called Summer Jam, but it's Summer Jam on IWTV tonight. Here's Chris. You are involved in professional wrestling. We are living through a global pandemic. How do those two things combine? Like oil and, and water, kind of. So, because, okay. <laughs> um, wrestling is, is so much of an art form, but it's an art form that is to be consumed generally to like a live audience mm-hmm. because that's kind of how wrestlers are, are taught. They're taught to perform for a live audience in order to elicit reactions, to get reactions for maybe a taped audience. Uh, but doing that without the audience, it's a, it's a task. It's a task at the highest level. It's a task uh, at the independent level because there you don't kind of know who you're performing towards it i've heard people say it kind of feels like going towards the motions at first until you really start to get into the heat of it okay um but i think that people are doing kind of the best that they can with uh what's going on right now do you think anyone has anyone that followed the broken saga a handful of years ago or anything similar to that has a leg up in this era uh, I do. I do. I think that uh, we tried a cinematic match that was really fun, that kind of uh, doing wrestling outside of wrestling, which I think is something that more people kind of should focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the blueprint. Uh, I don't People will say that cinematic matches have been taking place before, that hardy stuff, but like in the current generation, that is the blueprint of what oh, yeah. can be done in a wrestling setting that isn't necessarily in front of people. I think that should honestly be the approach that people should take rather than maybe try to sell out some tickets. What's weird about that is the reason why the broken everything worked so well, specifically I'm talking about the first iteration, not the WWE version, but right, is right. they were allowed to use things that you literally are deemed illegal in Washington, D.C. Most people don't know. You can't use a drone in Washington, D.C. Yeah, proper. no, no drones in D.C. Exactly. The That's literally one of the five characters in the broken saga is a drone. (laughs) So you can't have Vanguard one in Washington, DC. Do you find that because your promotion is based in the DMV that you're handcuffed in certain ways? Um, I think the, the benefit for us is that we've always, uh, my, my 
they're not my team, but the team that I'm a part of. We've been together in some way or form for the last 11 years now. And we have been uh, on every, literally every level of wrestling. We mm-hmm. have been uh, doing what we have with what we have. We've been making do uh, for the last 11 years now. So I think um, for us, it was more of a way of, okay, well, how do we make this kind of with our like stamp? How do we do this um, with as little budget as possible and try to make it as big as possible and just kind of use our brains to get around the no drones or, or, uh, we filmed in uh, like the heart of Washington, D.C. in Jul- the middle of July on a Saturday in front of the Court of Appeals. So we got lucky enough in the beginning it was empty and we could kind of shoot the bulk of what we had, granted, on a windy day. Um, but uh, as the shoot would go on, people would be walking in the middle of what we're trying to do. So it would just kind of be like a copious amount of waiting to see, okay, can we get the shot clear? Can Because we, we didn't have any permits or anything. Of course. We've been just kind of doing it on, on, you know, flying by the seat of our pants for the last 11 years now. So this was no different, but I do think that people who have the ability to use a drone or use just kind of anything to their imagination have the advantage, especially in this era. I don't know if you are willing to talk about this. I don't know if you follow drag race at all, but the reason I mention this is because the drag race finale, specifically not all stars, classic drag race finale was filmed at home for the first time ever. And it was kind of great. Now, we, before we go any further, do you know what I'm referencing? I know of the reference. I don't watch the show, but I know what you're referencing. Okay. So the reason I bring this up is because it was three completely different takes on how to present something that had always been done on a stage, right? So that was great, but I don't know if that has legs. In the same way, I'm, I'm trying not to shit all over the, our current reality, but it's hard to imagine... <laughs> Once people are able to, you know, go to breweries again to see indie wrestling shows, people are going to want to be at home on the couch watching a pay-per-view on a Friday night if they could be out. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, I think, for yeah, for what we have, the route that these companies and, and these producers are going about getting the media and trying to make it as uh, normal, I guess, as possible. Mm-hmm. everyone's doing a fantastic job but as you're right i think that it'll still kind of have its place maybe a niche for people who do enjoy that content or you can maybe just kind of throw it on a show but uh people are going to want to go to live shows as soon as this is over and yeah. they're going to want to go to live shows immediately uh so i think this may have some legs to may continue on and maybe a different path rather than the one that we're on now yeah but no you, all exclusive shows where you're just it's focused on the viewer rather than the live audience. I don't think we'll sustain after this. I'm wondering how this is going to roll out nationally because you are in a very unique situation. You moved from the DMV this week to Nevada, which is a, how'd you get there? Uh, I flew, okay. which is not a great idea. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Did you feel comfortable flying? Did you feel comfortable literally moving across the country during a global pandemic? Uh, my circumstances were a little bit more, uh, immediate, but it was just the level of, uh, uncomfortableness of just being in the airport and granted masks are mandatory, but you Mm -hmm. can kind of see the people that are wearing like the flimsy ones or the ones that you can kind of even see their mouths through. Yeah. So it's kind of navigating of, okay, this is kind of nuts, but it's kind of keep my little personal bubble and stay in that bubble. Uh, luckily for me, like Southwest gave us like the middle seat, which is only like two feet, but mm-hmm. that two feet is wonders if you're kind of just like staring and holding on to the window. 
and yeah. pretending that you're getting as much fresh air as possible and hoping you're not getting the virus. But uh, yeah, uncomfortable, but uh, necessary. What was uh, more comfortable, working on this Friday's pay-per-view or flying across the country? Um, work, I was more comfortable working on this pay-per-view. Okay. Um, I, I would I want to say because we kind of know everybody there. We know all the personalities. At least in our locker room, we try to make it as open and as frank as possible. Everyone knows each other. And if they don't know each other, they're going to know each other and they're going to be good friends because those are the kind of people that we bring in. So mm-hmm. we knew the personalities would mesh. We knew these people were people that were safe. They were going to do this safely. And we were encouraging them to go get tested and make sure that they were tested before they came. And uh, getting there and kind of free handling this because we didn't have any interest music. We didn't have any theme. So we kind of thought of everything while we were at the venue on how we were going to present it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that just, it, rather than my, my moving across the country, I did it solo and with my family mm-hmm. doing that show. I did it with a crew of people that I knew if I couldn't come up with it, they would come up with it. Got it. Um, this is probably, there's probably an obvious answer to this, but why is fight club pro wrestling showcasing the best people of color and LGBTQ plus talent in the country. Why does that niche need to be filled? Once again, I know uh, this is an obvious question. No, 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 it's fine. I, I love answering it. it. It's because there isn't enough of us out there. Um, my, the co the founder of the actual title and the founder of the, the company, uh, Johnny cross, Johnny Martin, uh, author now a father, uh, an artist, uh, a musical artist. And he, was also an independent wrestler. And while he was on the scene, he just kind of noticed that these people that granted were more talented than he was, weren't, were still on the same shows that he was because they weren't getting highlighted as some of the other talent was. And me being a wrestling fan for the last, uh, I will say 20 years of my life, I've kind of noticed the trend, especially in independence, that the people of color or the queer community don't get showcased in the same way that cis white males do. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we decided was, is we wanted to create that platform because they're more than just tokens. They're more than just people to fill a card. Uh, these are people that are stars. And if we showcase them as the stars, they are, they will take the ball and run with it, which they have. Like we just celebrated our one year anniversary and it just kind of hit us of what we were able to accomplish in one year. Thanks to the people that we have put on shows that just needed the spotlight to really showcase themselves. And they really have. Based on your Twitter, you still watch the product. Is that fair? Yes. Yes. Why? Uh, Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> so I, it's not because you're still in love with it. It's not because there's joy there. You're just I, like, I've always done this, therefore I was always do this. Yeah, I love pro wrestling. Like As much as I'll, my, I'll tweet about how much I hate pro wrestling mm-hmm. at times, like, this is like one of the constants that I've had throughout my entire life. Is I could always bank on something being on Monday something being on Wednesday and as I grew older, I could bank on finding something on YouTube that would enjoy me. Uh, my love of wrestling now comes from my love of wanting it to be better than what it is and my desire to see uh, people shine, uh, not just my friends, but people that I see that deserve it, that wouldn't get that opportunity. As for like WWE or AEW, there are people that I root for and I have some friends that work in those companies but a lot of it just has to do with, okay, maybe this Monday they'll surprise me with something that isn't 
just completely outrageous and their morals will have changed suddenly and I can maybe enjoy this product and I can't but they've 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 bought me they've bought me for the last 20 years so I can't not do it anymore who are you currently enjoying if you are enjoying anyone on any of the majors uh Bailey Sasha still okay uh yeah yeah those are those are my favorites right now. I uh, the women, the women. If I could just be as honest as possible, fine. Uh, I, I think... don't disagree. <laughs> there, um, well, I... there are technically women on AEW. Doesn't seem like there are they, women so on I've AEW. Heard. So I've heard there are women on AEW. They don't do the best job of promoting those women and showcasing the amazing talent that they have. They have uh, as, as Mercedes or excuse me, uh, Ivelisse. Uh, they have Diamante, they have Big Swole, uh, they have talent, the Chelsea Green, they have talent that they can really do something with, but they don't, they had a show uh, last Tuesday or this Tuesday where there were 16 matches on the card, mm-hmm. and two of them were women's matches. Yeah, that's not a and good ratio. Like, yeah, why are you even employing them if you're going to not have them? Like, they had that women's tournament that was awesome, and everybody was super excited for it. Uh, and then it was a YouTube exclusive, which I get the branding of, okay, well, this is going to be their own set show. We want to see how they do, but why not put that on your main show and get people invested in the tournament and then go off and do something else? Because you have people that you can make stars out of, but mm-hmm. you're just not showcasing. Them. Do you think the relative popularity of Glow, but the cancellation of Glow is really bad for women's wrestling? Or do you think it won't matter because it was clearly due to the pandemic? I think it... So with Glow, Glow was an amazing show. It was fantastic, amazingly written. Uh, I think that there were people that maybe would have checked out women's wrestling or have checked out women's wrestling Mm -hmm. based on the show and based on what that concept was. But I don't think it's going to have too much of an impact because... That audience was so, it was, it was a huge audience for the show, but as far as people that I believe that were watching that show and then saying, okay, well, let's check out wrestling and see what that's about. And then weren't immediately turned off after finding out what these bigger companies stand for and what mm-hmm. these morals are. I think that number is a lot uh, smaller than what I would think uh, as people who, you know, watched it in stage. So I don't think it's going to have too much of a, of a, uh, too much of an impact, but I, it, it just sucks that that show was gone. I feel like, I mean, the pandemic's taken a lot of things away. Obviously, this is yeah. not even top 100 things that matter. But <laughs> um, if you think about where WWE was when Globe premiered four years ago or three years ago, it was relatively in the best spot it's ever been, right? We have the four horsewomen on the card. We've gotten away from the Divas thing. But since then, two of the four, of the four horsewomen are on the shelf. Um, almost every single other person in the WWE main roster is seemingly like carbon copy out of the Attitude Era. Sure, you have NXT, but they're the exception to the rule. AEW has seemingly no women. Um, Total Bells is still going. Total Divas is still going. But there's no... Listen, I love Sasha and Bailey. I'm not trying to shit on anybody. I'm just thinking that this is actually a worse place that the company was in four, three years ago. Yeah, it is. Uh, the the people that they did have on top, which were you know Becky and Charlotte, those people carried that brand and they made all the appearances. Mm-hmm. And granted, there, there's no one to make real appearances anymore during the pandemic, but other than Sasha and Bailey, and they can't like be on the same program with each other if they're keeping kayfabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Who are you sending to these shows? Who are you sending to 
and not due to the fault of the women, rather the fault of the production and who they have decided to to give the ball to. Um, I love Oscar to death, but you're not going to go send Oscar to Good Morning America. Yeah, uh, you're not going to go send her to these platforms because I don't think the the company would trust her to do that, unfortunately. So, so I think they kind of put themselves in a corner. Who do you? What do you want to have? I mean, you just mentioned Good Morning America. What's your goal? Do you want to be on Good Morning America in a decade? Uh, I don't. Uh, I want. <laughs> I'm just being as honest as possible. I want wrestling to just be less shitty. That's my goal in ten years. Is Got like, it. I can look up and down the cards, and I see cards filled. I, first off, I see announcers and commentators properly gendering people, whether they're uh, male, female, non-binary, they're queer. Just making sure that they are properly gendering wrestlers. I want to see. Uh, intergender wrestling everywhere. I want to see people of color. I want to see women. I want to see queers on on every card across the country. Is that possible? Is that feasible? No, because there are always going to be idiots. This is such a carny. Hold on uh, a second. I you said this country or this world? I I, I, I would love to see the world, but I'm going to be just as honest as possible. Uh, starting here is <laughs> hard enough, just yeah. like for us. Yeah. I would love to see it across the world. I would love to see this something globally, but let's kind of, let, for me right now, I, I would like to see, I would like to turn on IWTV and see you know, some of the promoters promoting it, not so much the way we do, but just making the card more diverse. Yeah. Uh, I've pitched this to wrestlers and uh, now I'm pitching it to you. Why isn't the biggest heel in 2020 or 2019 or 2018 or even 2017 just uh, just anybody that brings out a cage and then puts a kid in a cage? Why am I laughing at that? Because that's because a brilliant that's... gimmick. And then also because that's the best heel ever or, depending on where you are in the country, the best face ever. See, that would be like if I if we debuted someone now and he was a, he or she they were a wrestler. And they just decided in, in the pandemic, they just walked into the ring and started licking turnbuckles. Yeah. You want to go into that just being completely as unsanitary as possible. That would be the biggest heel in 2020. But there's a, there's a thin line. There isn't a huge one, but there's a thin line of morality in pro wrestling that I think we would like to upkeep. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> Do you not remember the premise of the first, I don't know, 10 WrestleManias? Uh, racism versus Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that xenophobia is kind of the problem that, that we started with. So if anything, what I'm doing is upholding a very proud tradition. I mean, you are. So you thank are. you. Thank you for acknowledging my greatness. Now I'm going to bring a, ki- a cage. And then here's the, I'm not bringing my own kid in a cage. I'll take your kid and put him in a cage. Don't worry. Okay. It's fan interaction. So here's the question: What type of cage is it? Is this a, like a dog cage? cage. Is the blue bars? Oh no, no, this isn't like a class. This has to be light enough for me to carry around. This is just a small dog cage for so a child like a to fit in. <laughs> for a child to fit in. If you want, I'll bring a flag. Okay, so now I need to know. I we need to go into the logistics of this character. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm kind of, you kind of all bought me into it. What do you? What do you? I mean, there's literally four years of proof of how this works. <laughs> There's more than that. I think TNA did their first seven pay-per-views about that. Uh, oh, my God. I, you watch I, TNA. You watch Impact. I'm, I'm a TNA head. A TNA is, is actually... Oh, man. Product. The Impact all, Zone got to you. 
Yeah, the impact zone. The impact zone felt like, and this is going to go into a deeper conversation, but uh, the way the SmackDown felt in the UPN era, like this is geared towards people of color. Mm-hmm. Like TNA really felt geared towards people of color for some reason. And like okay. all my friends that watch wrestling who are people of color, like yeah, I used to love TNA. Just for some reason, hold on the, a second. The, hold on a second. Mess of characters. SmackDown on UPN was geared towards not white people. Funny enough, I'm not joking. This is, I am, I am, I swear to God, I am not joking right now. <laughs> yeah, no, SmackDown was definitely geared more towards people of color. That's the um, only one I used to watch. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I'm yeah. white. <laughs> no, that's just, at least in my opinion, uh, as I've noted, watched wrestling throughout the year, SmackDown was definitely the show for people of color. It just had, they took all of those people, all those big personalities that I guess they had some kind of market research that we would all love. And they put them on that same show and they had Jagged Edge singing on, on SmackDown during the European era. Three Six Mafia, right after winning a Grammy, did Mark Henry's theme song live. Like that was a show that felt like for me. I, would, I, would, I grew up a SmackDown head. I still to this day root for Team SmackDown because of the mileage of work that they put. I think I love WWE because of SmackDown. If we're just to be honest, uh, uh, yeah. Who are your people? Who are the people that made you want to do what you do? Say Michael Brooks? Cole, please say Michael Cole. <laughs> uh, I actually love Michael Cole, and I can give it to all the announcers. Like Michael Cole, I I really love Jr. We share an Oklahoma connection, just not the horny tweeting. Um, I love Taz. I love that. I love that dynamic between Michael Cole and Taz. Uh, from the early SmackDowns, mm-hmm. I really, I might be the only person in the, the world that really loved that early Michael Cole JBL era of announcing. Yeah, you are. JBL was, <laughs> I loved, loved it for so. You love JBL because he bullied the best announcer NXT ever had and SmackDown ever uh, had. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love JBL for giving the president his gimmick because number Trump one, I wrote a book about this. You're wrong. I literally wrote a book about this with Chris Kelly. You are incorrect. JBL did not give the president his gimmick. I feel like he did. No, he's no, no, no. Hacked and all. No. Stupid dancing. No. Millions Stup- of dollars. No. Uh, his gimmick is. I'll give you a hint. Uh, he faced Alberto Del Rio at uh, WrestleMania NY slash NJ. Uh. Well, he didn't, but his manager was part of it. Oh, Sub Coulter. Yep. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, that I was the that. mania where Trump was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Wait, didn't didn't he manage Bradshaw at one point in the nineties? I have no idea. Like in the tag team, I feel like probably. I don't know. I'm that was, was that, up. but that was probably as um, not Zeb like Coulter, but Black or yeah. Mulligan, yeah, something. Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this was at the. Uh, at the mania where Chris Christie does the voiceover to introduce it because it's, it's like the first giant oh, yeah. event after Superstorm Sandy. God, that that WrestleMania was awful. Yeah, well, that was no, I disagree completely because that was the mania that had my favorite Undertaker matches, and it's the Taker match that should have ended the streak, which is Punk Taker. Punk Taker was great. I will give you that. I am a fan of Batista Taker. I think uh, that match gave more than what was billed. Yeah, it's hard uh, to if disagree. You look with at that, that match on paper. Yeah, that match is supposed to be awful. I really enjoyed it. So we're disagreeing on everything. I feel like at this point. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about wrestling. If we agreed on everything, what's the point, man? I mean, fair. No, I, I think uh, I think you're doing really cool stuff. I think um, 
what the promotion is doing is really cool stuff. Are you involved in Paris's bumping? I am not involved in Paris's bumping. Uh, we did uh, help sponsor Paris's bumping, uh, but I am not directly involved. That is the work of uh, Billion William Dixon, uh, who is one of our champions, but he is just a mind for this business that not many people have, and he's wiser beyond his years, wiser than even me at this point in my career, and he is just doing amazing things. I couldn't say, I can't say enough about uh, Billy and I'm very excited for Paris bumping. I'll even plug it uh, October 29th on IWTV. But I'm excited. Tomorrow night's pay per view, he will be part of it because he is your champion. Yes, he is our Chocolate City champion. He is defending against the psychedelic psychonaut uh, Christian Robinson, who is 20 years old, as I found out, and it blew my mind. See, that's almost young enough for me to put in a cage. 